0: We are so honored and um, blessed to have a relationship with Janae and be part of what God's doing in her life and through her life. So that's awesome, and uh, be praying be praying for her. Now we've been talking about prayer and uh, the crucial aspect of praying from heaven's perspective. We've been talking about this for a number of weeks. Right now, this is going to be the final message on this this uh, subject today. So let's pray and. Uh, Father God, we, we want to say that we, we want to know your perspective of life better. We want to understand what your word speaks to us and how you want to speak to us through your word. We want to understand your kingdom more fully so that we can walk in the fullness of the life of your kingdom and so that our prayer lives could be the most effective and powerful they can possibly be. As we live here in this earth in the battle to advance your kingdom, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to start off with a story <clears throat> that actually, when it occurred, I told Lori immediately afterwards, I'm never telling anybody this, okay? And uh, maybe as a preface to that, let me say, where I grew up, real men don't panic, okay? Real men never, never you, you don't be, you're not afraid, you're not, uh, you're not set back, and you especially would never panic, So, this happened last March. Uh, We were in Florida visiting Lori's sister, and we decided to drive to the Florida Keys where we could uh, snorkel. And uh, to kind of set that up, for the last year or so, periodically, I'll get short of breath. And I, I might just be sitting at my desk, or I might be standing up here, or I might be walking someplace, and I just have to stop. I just feel like I have to stop and breathe and take two or three deep breaths, now, for all of you medical personnel out there, my heart has been thoroughly checked up, my heart's okay, and I did have a breathing test, and, and that's okay too, so I just don't want you to go away worrying. But, um, but, but so I have this thing happen periodically. So we get on the boat, and we go out beyond where you can see land any longer, and we go out to this uh, coral reef in um, the, the, the Caribbean, right off of the Florida Keys there, and uh, they, they give us instructions as to what to do and how to do it. And one of the instructions was, don't actually swim out over the reef. I didn't hear that one. <laughs> now, the other instruction they gave us was, under no circumstances can you stand on the reef. No matter what, do not stand up on the reef. If you do, we're going to yell at you. And if you do it twice, we're going to pull you out. And we're going we're to not, not let you uh, snorkel any longer. So we get in the water, and my mind is that like, Lori and I are gonna to be together, this is gonna be romantic, we're gonna be swimming among the, you know, looking at the coral together. And the water's kind of rough, and it was, it was, if it had been any rougher, they wouldn't have let us go. And so it was really kind of hard to swim, and within 30 seconds I have no idea in the world where she is. You know, she's just gone. And so I get to the reef, and I, and I see the edge of the reef, and I'm looking, and then I think, well, I guess you just swim right out over top of the reef. And so I go out over top of the reef, and at first the water was probably five or six feet deep, and the reef was down below, and you can look at it and see what's there. But I just kept you know, swimming along, and I ended up, the reef started getting shallower and shallower, and pretty soon it's just two feet deep, and then it's just about a little over a foot deep, and I'm actually bumping things with my chest and my stomach and my arms, and then there, there are all these things down in the reef that you see that you, you don't know about what they're going to do you know, with claws and pinchers and teeth and stuff like that. <laughs> and so in the midst of this, I had one of those breathing episodes. And so all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, no, i got to stop. i got to breathe. I can't breathe. And I'm breathing through this tube, and I'm trying to catch my breath, and I can't. And I start thinking, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this reef? Because I'm not allowed to stand up. I knew that. And I I have this kind of like thing about obeying the rules. And so I can't stand up. and, and, And I'm swimming. I'm trying to figure out how to get out. And as I said before, men from my part of the world don't panic. And so I had kind of like maybe something slightly like a little bit like a panic attack. But you would never call it that. Not exactly that, okay? And I'm just thinking, I'm gonna die here. I mean, that's how I felt. And and I do think that I would have broken the rules and stood up before I actually died. But um, but I'm I'm just and the the further I go, and I just can't. I'm swimming, and I'm just thinking, I gotta get off this reef because it's where I was was so shallow. I have to get off this so I can get my body upright and I can lean back and, and we we all had life preservers on and stuff like that and breathe. And finally, I looked up and I saw a guy, you know, from here to maybe the third row over there away. And I just had enough breath to say, "How do I get out of here?" And he said, "I'm out of it. Swim this way." And so I paddled straight towards him. And about halfway there, I see the reef end and I'm out in open water again and I was able then to upright and lay back and catch my breath, but then as I'm looking at this, I'm 150, 200 yards away from my boat, and I'm just thinking, oh gosh, I gotta, I gotta swim all the way over there now. But by the time I got back to the boat, and I got up into it, and I take all my equipment off, and I just kinda like collapse onto this bench, there's a guy there that says, are you okay? Are you having a heart attack? And I, I said, no, 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 I'm not having a heart attack, And why are you a doctor and he said no i'm not a doctor he said you just look really bad right now (laughs) and so it was really a it was a tough experience but my point is this i got lost on that coral reef and i didn't know how to get off i did not know how to get off and it took someone outside to give me perspective on how do i get from here to where i want to be and That's what we've been talking about in this whole series on praying from heaven's perspective. If you focus simply on human need, if you pray simply from the basis of your own needs and the needs of others and even the needs of others in the world that you see, then what happens is we end up getting lost because human need is so incredibly overwhelming, we can't deal with it. But, but if, that's, if that's my starting point, is I've got to pray for all these people because they all need me to pray for them, and oh my, you end up having almost this panicky feeling about prayer, about spirituality, about God, about what God's doing in the world. And the truth of the matter is, we are not designed to be responsible for the whole planet. We just can't be. God is big enough to be responsible for the whole planet. And so what I've got to do is gain his perspective of life, his perspective of the world. And what that does is to give me strength in my heart so that I can see the needs and then I can pray for the needs. And I can pray effectively. In fact, in James 5.16, James uh, said this. He said, the effective prayer of a righteous person Can have a great impact. Now, he doesn't say, well, first of all, by a righteous person, if you know Jesus, you're righteous. He's not talking about a Christian who also obeys the rules or a Christian who also does all the right religious stuff is a righteous person. If you know Jesus, you have his righteousness and you are a righteous person. But when he says this, he he, he's not saying a righteous person's prayers are effective and powerful. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when a righteous person does effective prayer, it has a powerful impact. And so he's saying here that there is a way to pray effectively, which means there's ways that we can pray that are not effective That's what we're trying to discern in this whole series. The way we pray effectively is when we pray from heaven's viewpoint, from heaven's perspective. And the the way it works is this, that I I am praying, God, let your kingdom come. And you know, Jesus told us to pray for that. In, in, In the Lord's prayer, he said, we are to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's interesting that it's not until after that that the needs part comes in. The next thing is, give us this day our daily bread. All right, we we have such a tendency in our humanness to flip those and to say, oh, God, give me my daily bread. Oh, God, give me clothes. Give me me everything I need, and then I'll be able to focus on your kingdom. And God says, no, turn that upside down. Focus on my kingdom. Understand my kingdom. Allow my heart to flow into your heart so that you are seeing things from my perspective. And then, then you'll be able to look at the needs and, 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 and you'll be able to pray for the needs in the right way. In fact, uh, in Matthew six thirty three, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All these things that he's talking about in that context basically it is it's food it's clothing it's shelter it's transportation it's all of that and he's saying look you focus your heart and your life on my kingdom and this stuff's going to come focus on my kingdom on my on heaven as it is in heaven let it be on earth and so we look at heaven and we say all right what's in heaven if it's happening in heaven it should be happening here if it's not happening in heaven then it shouldn't be happening here and so that's my whole focus. And I'm living life. and I'm saying, God, let your, we need your kingdom. Release your kingdom. Use me to release your kingdom on this earth. And then I see someone with a need. And I say, hey, case in point, right there, that person needs to be free. And, and now from the kingdom, from heaven's perspective, I can minister freedom to them. Or, or I see someone who needs food or needs clothing. From heaven's perspective, I can minister to them. And so this, this whole thing is based upon this incredible need for us to understand heaven's perspective and to allow heaven's perspective just to fill our hearts and motivate our hearts and flow through our hearts. So how do we gain heaven's perspective? Well, a few weeks ago in a message I gave, I talked about the Bible and how important it is that we read the Bible. But we read the Bible with the Holy Spirit as our teacher, I'm not just looking for what I can learn intellectually, but I'm not saying, Holy Spirit, show me things that I wouldn't see otherwise. Show me how this applies to life. Show me God's heart as I read scripture. Give me insight into it and be my teacher. Teach me your word. Show me these great things in your word. And so the Bible speaks to our hearts and enables us to see God's perspective but um, there are a couple of other things I want to talk about today, too. And one of them is um, what is often referred to as the gift of tongues. And uh, the, the, the gift of tongues, basically, it's, it's this. It's a God-given ability to pray in a language that is not your native language. Okay, it's, it's just that simple. It is praying in a language that is not your native language that the Holy Spirit gives to you. He gives you that ability to do it. Now, uh, Jack Hayford wrote this great book called The Beauty of Spiritual Language, and it'd be a great book for you to read if you're interested in this topic or if God's motivating your heart this way. Uh, Just a great book, and and I, I really like his use of the term spiritual language it really captures the essence of what the Bible's talking about so much better than, um, than the kind of like the traditional use of the word tongue. Because in, in English today, to use tongue as language is archaic. We don't do it. It's, it's not, it just doesn't fit in our culture that much. So it, it really sounds kind of weird and kind of odd. But when you realize it's just a spiritual language God gives to you so that you can communicate with him uh, heart to heart, and, and, uh, and, when, and when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray through you the things that are heaven's perspective on the situation. In fact, in Romans 8, 26 and 27, Romans 8, 26 and 27, says this. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, too deep for something that we could with our own intellect articulate. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This passage, I believe, is talking about this gift of spiritual language, and it is speaking to the, 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 the truth that when I don't know what to pray the Holy Spirit will pray through me in accordance with the will of God. And so it's a powerful gift, and, and it not only can have a great impact as far as intercession and praying for others, and, and I've done this so many times where I've prayed for somebody, a family member, one of my kids, or some situation, and, I, and I've prayed for what I know to pray for, and, th- and then I'll just say, God, you know, my heart is pointed towards that situation, and, and I'll pray in prayer language, in a spiritual language. And and knowing that the Holy Spirit is expressing something to God at that moment that, that I couldn't express myself, and that it is in, in line with heaven's perspective. Now, a second thing that this gift does, and, and it is so good, that the Apostle Paul said, he said, I pray in um, tongues more than all of you. And then he says, I wish you all prayed in this spiritual language. And so Uh, The Apostle Paul really had a heart for us to be able to pray effectively, and this is one of the ways we do it. And very interestingly, in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, uh, he, he says this, he says, the one who speaks in a tongue, or read that as spiritual language, builds up himself, or builds himself up. Now what that means is that even though I don't understand it intellectually, I don't grasp it with my mind or know what's being prayed, even though I don't, it still builds me up because somehow when I open my heart up to God by using this gift of spiritual language, there's this like direct feed in, into my heart and, and, heaven, and heaven just impacts my heart in a way that builds me up and strengthens me and draws me closer to God. So, so just, just, to be, just to say this, that we believe this is a good gift and uh, can be a powerful uh, powerful and, and really just about essential means of truly praying from heaven's perspective. So the last thing I want to talk about today is this, fasting. How many of you have ever heard of fasting? You know what fasting is? Okay. A lot of people have heard of fasting. You know, the word fast, uh, the, the word in the original language, originally had the idea of being empty, just being empty. And so uh, the, the word empty, that, that idea of being empty, then came to mean somebody that was empty in physically. They hadn't eaten any food, so their stomach is empty. And so fasting, as it is used in the Bible, is referring to our relationship with food. Now, I know a lot of people will, will deny other things in their life and call it fasting. But really, literally, fasting has to do with food. And it does something for us that helps us to gain heaven's perspective. In fact, in Acts 13, 2 and 3, we see an illustration of this, how heaven speaks during this time of fasting and and prayer that um, there were these leaders, teachers, and prophets that uh, were gathered in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Or an illustration in the New Testament of New Testament fasting. They're fasting and praying. And oftentimes fasting and prayer are so closely associated that people have the idea that fasting in and of itself, somehow the sacrifice that we're making impresses God and, and it supercharges prayer. But I don't think that's the purpose of fasting at all. I don't, it's not like, well, okay, if I sacrifice like this, then God's going to see my sacrifice, and he is going to, all the more he's going to want to answer my prayer because he sees me sacrificing. That's, that's not what fasting is. Fasting, What fasting does for us is it, it enables us to grasp heaven's perspective more clearly and more fully. And so, just a few things to help us to understand that that um, the the importance of fasting and how it how it does this. First of all, it is a declaration. It's a declaration. I am actually I am actually doing what I'm saying is important because we would all say, "Well, God's the most important thing." If you know Jesus, you would probably say that, wouldn't you? You'd probably say, "Yeah, God's the most important thing in life." And, but when when I actually give something like food up, especially food, I am making that as an act of declaration. I'm actually doing it. And and food is so essential because, well, food is essential, isn't it? If you go for very long without eating food, what happens? You die. Food is part of life. And so when I give up food, I'm making this declaration. God, you are more important to me than life itself. Now, in addition to that, food is one of our greatest pleasures in life. I mean, how many of you already know what you're going to have for dinner today? How many of you want to know what you're going to have for dinner? How many of you would like to know what's for dinner tonight? I mean, (laughs) all you guys should have your hands up right now. I know that. You know, it might be Sunday afternoon, and I'm asking Lori, what are we going to do for dinner tomorrow night? Because eating is such a pleasurable thing. We, we gain such... So it's this incredible declaration to myself, to God, to the whole spirit realm. Look, God is more important to me than this greatest pleasure in life, than this thing that I need to sustain my life. And so it produces this sense of determination, and, and it gives us a, 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 new, a new sense of a resolve in following Christ and in our praying. Second thing, kind of similar to this, but a little different, it clarifies priorities. You know, anytime a person experiences loss, or often, let's say this, oftentimes when a person experiences loss, one of the side benefits of that loss is that you see life's priorities more clearly. Even the prospect of loss. If someone goes to the doctor and they have a complaint, and the doctor says, that could be serious. We gotta, have, we gotta get you in for this test right away. And so the person goes in for the test, and they're waiting for the results of the test. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, man, what happens during that time is you start thinking, wait a second. Why have I been so uptight about life? Why have I been so impatient with my kids? Why did I think this was so important? These things aren't important. And, and, and it's the very prospect of loss. That causes us to reevaluate life it, the, the, the very mechanism within us that God built in us, the Holy Spirit uses when we fast. He uses that same internal process for us when we 're fasting to say, "Wait a second, you know that 's not as important as I thought it was, and that 's not as important, and that was not you know, i didn 't get that parking place i didn 't need to get mad at that person and call them names. Uh, You know, even though they didn't hear it, I did it, God heard it. Uh, I mean, it, it really clarifies values so that we have more of heaven's perspective. And then the third thing is real simple it slows down the pace of life. You don't have to cook, okay? The time you would be spending eating is free, and you don't have to clean up the mess afterwards. And so you get an extra hour or two of time that you would normally be taken up with something that you just pull aside and you say, God, I, I want to spend this time with you because I want to know you better. I want to experience you more fully. And, and as we do this, fasting just has this tremendous benefit of clarifying what is really important in life for us. Now, I know it's important and for a number of reasons, but um, the very first time I ever fasted, I had been a believer for just a few months and uh, I, I came to know Christ. And then when, when I had flunked out of college, and then when I went back to college, I was growing in my faith. And someone suggested to me that I should spend a day fasting and praying. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to do it. So I was fasting from sun up to sundown this one day. And um, in the middle of the day, I had to go do something. And so I went for a walk. I was going to pray as I walked. And I'd also stop at this store and then walk back to my dorm room. But, as i 'm walking back, I had to pass Kentucky Fried Chicken. you don 't know the half of it. Wait till you hear what happens. Two of my fraternity brothers that I had um, didn 't have a close relationship with anymore because when I came to know Jesus, the our lifestyles didn 't mesh any longer. Two of my, two of my former fraternity brothers are in there knocking on the window when they see me they're pounding on the window van van come on in come on in and i can see them and they're mouthing my name and they're waving and i just wave and keep going they actually left the restaurant came out each of them grabbed me by one arm and escorted me back in (laughs) and then they sat me down and they said we have we bought this super bucket of chicken because we thought we could eat it and we can't eat it all join in eat it. Help, help us eat this. Now, at that time, you know, I, I I was a brand new believer. If I had done that, I would have felt like I was failing God, and it would have been really bad for me. So I, I, I begged off. I just said, oh, yeah, guys, you know what? I don't think I'm going to have anything, something like that. And after a while, I, I left. If I had that to do over again, and I was fasting, and I had a couple of friends that maybe didn't know the Lord that asked me to share a chicken wing with them, I'd probably just go ahead and eat it and fast the next day. But uh, today, Now that's how I would handle it. But at the time, I didn't. But I want to tell you what, just because you're fasting doesn't mean the whole world's fasting. Okay? And, and you're going to run into food, and it's going to smell good, and you're going to want to eat it. And only under specific circumstances should you give up on your fast. But if you do, it's not the end of the world. It's not like you have failed God. One time I was on a, an extended fast. I was planning to fast for 28 days. And I was on day 21. Lori went to Florida and took a couple of the kids with her. So I'm at home all alone. And I crashed. And I bought a bag of barbecue potato chips, a big bag. <laughs> And I thought, well, i fasted long enough. I don't need to keep fasting. And that, I think that was probably true. I did. I mean, I had fasted long enough. Um, and I thought, I'm just gonna have one of these potato chips. They just. Oh. And I haven't eaten any solid food for 21 days. I ate the whole bag. The whole big bag of barbecue chips that night. I felt like I had a brick in my stomach. Now, that was stupid of me, but I don't think God was mad at me over that. It was just, but, but listen, I want to tell you, fasting can be a powerful way to, to, to really just kind of like isolate your heart before God and focus your heart on God and say, God, here I am, just pour life into me right now. Now, a little caveat to that. Um, I Normally, I'm not like real excited. It's not like halfway through a fast, you're feeling on on a spiritual high or anything. Normally, the benefit comes afterwards. And so even if it's a one-day fast, it's hard. It is hard. Halfway through the day, you're thinking of peanuts. <laughs> Just one peanut, God. One. One little soda cracker would be so nice to have. But um, it, So it's not always... Pleasant going through it, but the results of it are powerful in our lives. And so I just I cast that out to you. Some of you are ready to do this. Some of you are at a point in your life, maybe, where you used to fast and you're not doing it so much anymore. And maybe this is a call to you to to step back into fasting and prayer. It doesn't have to be twenty one days or thirty days or forty days. You can fast for one meal, fast for lunch. Go off by yourself and pray and and pour your heart out to God and ask him to pour his heart into yours. You can fast for one day. I think fasting from sunup to sundown is a good deal, especially at the beginning. That's what I did at the very beginning of fasting. Another good way to fast is from sundown to sundown because then you know you're going to get to eat both days. Now, you can't like right before sundown load up, you know, just have, have a huge meal and then that kind of defeats the purpose of it. But uh, you can fast for one or two or three or four or longer days. But um, if you're going to take a, if you're going to do a lengthy fast, uh, really check with your doctor to make sure there are any health issues. If you're diabetic or something like that, you really have to be careful. But uh, and, and fasting doesn't have to be total either. Daniel fasted, and people refer to the Daniel fast as kind of like a partial fast. And we had a guy in our first church. We had a lot of days of fasting and prayer there. And one of the guys that would really loved the Lord, he wanted to fast, but he worked on a loading dock. And it was real heavy work. And he just said, man, he said, I'll pass out. And so we talked it through, and he ended up, I think, eating oranges and soda crackers, something like that. So it, it, you just adjust it to your life. But it, I just want to put this out there for you to think about, because it can be a real powerful and just precious precious way for us to, uh, enter deeper into God's heart and his heart for the world. So, um, this Tuesday, Jordan mentioned this, we have had a group, a small group of people that have been meeting on Tuesday evenings here at the church for several years. They pray for the church. They pray for a couple of the ministries of the church faithfully. That is called intercessory prayer. Because you are interceding on behalf of someone else. You know, the word intercede means to put yourself between two things or between two people. Like if you see a conflict and you step in and say, hey, let's, you know, let's be, let's back off here. You are interceding. You're putting yourself between them. And interceding for other people is putting yourself between God and that person and saying, God, look at their need. Come and meet their need. And so they're doing intercessory prayer. And, and as, as a result of this series, I thought it would be wonderful if we just had uh, as many of us as are possibly can to come Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to do worship. And we're going to do intercessory prayer. And we're going to show you some different ways to pray that are really exciting and powerful. And I'm going to to show you a way to pray from heaven's perspective that it would be too much to try to do here. But it's going to be a great night. Start at 7. You can come at 7 and stay as long as you want. If you need to leave at 8, that's fine. We'll probably last until 8.30 or 9.00. But it's going to be exciting, it's going to be powerful, and it's going to open up a new avenue for us as a church to enter more and more into everything God's calling us to as a church body. So one, one other note on that. Consider fasting that day. Um, consider taking, if you've never fasted before, then just take your lunch time and fast and go off by yourself and say, God, here I am. I love you more than food. Open my eyes to see you more clearly, to experience your life more clearly. And I think God will have some powerful blessings uh, for us in our lives if we do that. But as well for the whole church body, okay? So, that said, we're going to receive our offering right now. And I want to invite the, um, the um, ushers to come down, receive the offering. And giving is a sacrifice. It is saying, again, it's like saying, God, you're more important than my money, and you own it all anyway. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you by putting this tithe check back into your work to advance your kingdom. It's a great blessing. Go ahead, guys, just go ahead. So, Father... Uh, thank you for your blessing i just i just i bless every person here uh, lord whatever our status in life is holy spirit release blessings into their lives and lord your word says that as we give sacrificially to honor you there's blessing that comes with that so we just we pray that as well just blessing on every family and every home here and Lord, just I, I, especially on those that are just have grown to the point that they're just giving sacrificially for everyone that's giving. Lord, bless in Jesus' name. Amen.